Stetson in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Okay. Spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown to one Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my new friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Happy Friday, folks. Mike Gallagher with you in the Buccaneers Sports Network studios. Going to be joined in a moment by Jay Sandoz from the road. He's remote with us in Birmingham. ETSU men's basketball is about to leave and about, oh, from when we're taping this, maybe an hour, hour and a half from now to head up to Chattanooga in the Roundhouse for a 4.30 tip against the Mocs, trying to complete the season, regular season sweep at least, and get their, what would be their sixth win in a row against Chattanooga after a couple of years back losing all three. They've certainly found the right track against their rival three hours to the west of where we sit and i'm not sure about four or five hours to the north and maybe west i'm not good with the geography in the area of where jay sandos is right now but jay before we talk about chattanooga we got a lot of ground to cover today we're going to do uh, bold predictions in our final segment per the usual we've got a super bowl uh just kind of general third segment we're going to do um with you because i was rebuffed with severe malice by pretty much everyone i reached out to in the media that is covering the super bowl down in atlanta and we're going to preview the saturday games doubleheader of etsu basketball the women at two o'clock and the men at four thirty. that's in segment two but first want to talk about last night and the men and also the women in just a moment but kind of a slow sluggish start it seemed like for etsu TSU against Sanford. We knew this game would be close. It always seems to be, but the Bucks certainly found the right track, specifically at the outset of the second half. And while the game was close down the stretch, the Bucks, nice to see them hitting their free throws and putting the game away. Well, that was a very auspicious start from the charity stripe when you look at it early, just three of eight, but second half, 12 of 15. And uh, Patrick Good did hit the front ends of some one-on-ones, did miss the back end, gave you a little bit of pause, but he managed to knock down his final two attempts. Jeremy Rodriguez was able to knock down all of his attempts yesterday as well. So uh, a good bounce back as far as the free throw line in the second half. But you're right, start of that second half really kind of got things going. Give Stanford some credit to, to erase a 10-point deficit to get it to a tie game of 58-58. But then it was Patrick Good again with the rare four-point play uh, and he did knock down the free throw for the conversion. But uh, that four-point play seemed to energize and give the Bucks back some momentum. And uh, just an all-around uh, great game for good. And I thought for Isaiah Tisdale, you know, he's been a guy they bounced around a lot, starting, not starting, you know, playing different positions. But without his 11 points, six rebounds, six assists, no turnovers, I'm not sure ETSU wins that game yesterday. Yeah, and I'm a huge Isaiah Tisdale guy. Patrick Good and Coach Forbes talked about Tisdale post game, but first let's just hear Steve Forbes' thoughts on the game itself. I thought that was the best at that point that we had executed our offense for the game because we really hadn't done very well offensively, obviously. 
up until that point. I thought we finally got in a little bit of a rhythm, got some good shots and jumped up and made them. Finally put some score pressure on them, and then we didn't do a good job of holding on to the lead. You know, they came back, but another big performance from Patrick Good. And I thought Trey Boyd, Isaiah Tisdale off the bench, I thought those guys played really well. I thought Tisdale did a really good job guarding Shark. He had eight turnovers. Uh, and speaking of turnovers, we only had nine and only three in the second half. You know, we scored 21 points off turnovers. They only scored four. That was, I would say that was probably the difference in the game because we didn't play very good offense. But, you know, I thought we played pretty good defense. And, you know, that's two road games we've won shooting sub-40. You know, we won at Mercer. We won here shooting sub-40. So, you know, i got to give our kids credit for staying tough. And ETSU's depth really a factor as well, Jay, 32-11 in bench points. And I suppose Coach Forbes kind of echoes what both you and I said. It was about Patrick Good. It was about Isaiah Tisdale. And at the outset of that bite, he was talking about the beginning of that second half where he didn't feel like ETSU, who were down by one at the break, really could find a rhythm offensively. It was 30-29, to but then score the first seven right out of halftime and kind of take over from there. Here is Coach Forbes on Tisdale. I played great. You know, he's been pushing for a lot of playing time, you know, more and more playing time. Uh, you know, Davian has played well. This is more, a little more of a physical game for him tonight. Thought he struggled a little bit. Probably the first night that we had three big struggle together. We really haven't probably had that. Even though Jerome ends up with 12-9, and nine, uh, he did shoot 4-4 from the free throw line. I didn't think those guys played extremely well. You know, Maladin was 0-7. Uh, he did have eight rebounds. Luke was 2-2. Two two. But um, I thought that their physicality, I mean, they blocked nine shots. I mean, come on. For us to, to overcome that is impressive. And that goes to show you the, the great job that Tisdale, Boyd, and Good, those guys played really well as far as guards. Yeah, so, Jay, it was the rare night where all of ETSU's bigs didn't really have it, but Patrick Good picks up where the bigs leave off. And Isaiah Tisdale, I tell you what I like about him. I always find a guy in the first couple of practices I see that I'm really a fan of for ETSU. Last year it was Jalen McLeod. Felt pretty brilliant there because he was fantastic. And Isaiah Tisdale early on showed that he could be kind of a, a takeover guy at times and someone that can – be a guy that leads a team in scoring. Now, it hasn't worked out that way. He's kind of fit more into a role, but very smart, very efficient with the ball. I think he's a very good athlete, a very smart player, um, a very good person as well. I don't have a lot of bad things to say about Isaiah Tisdale, and I talked about it with Patrick Good on the Wednesday show. When you need someone, if everyone else is having an off night, and not everyone was, Patrick Good had a good evening, but if you need someone to spark the offense in a number of ways, Isaiah Tisdale can do that. I like – he seems to be the ultimate team guy. I mean, he just – he's kind of a quiet kid to begin with, and it just seems like, Coach, whatever you need me to do, I'm fine with. I mean, I, he doesn't really complain. I mean, the most fired up you've seen him is uh, when he got the flagrant two, which, again, he's fired up because he just got ejected, and then uh, the hell ball situation where, where tempers were high. But other than that, I mean, you don't get much emotion out of him. I mean, he's just a kid that goes uh, very business-like approach to it, and – you know, whatever you need me to do, Coach. You need me not to play today, that's fine. You need me to start for Bo Hodges, that's fine. You need me to play more minutes. You need me to score. You need me to force Sharky into turnovers. You need me to, you know, be the scorer like at Georgia State. Whatever you need, I'm, I'm there for you. And, I, you know, I just enjoy that. That And defensively, I think that's, you know, I think he, he's probably the most, uh, probably not now, but I thought he was the most underrated, maybe under the radar defensive guy ETSU had. I think uh, number two, and just tough for him to get minutes, is maybe Kevon Tucker that 
plays good defense that you don't know because Tucker's really kind of out there looking for a shot. But I think those guys really are, are better defenders than what they get credit for. I truly do think that Isaiah Tisdale can be a star if he is afforded the opportunity and really when the game does come to him because he isn't someone to force things and go out there and shoot you out of a game. You know, doesn't need a lot of shots to be effective. I mean, heck, he's shooting 53% from the field this year, which for a guard, and we talked about it with Patrick Gooden and a few others this week as well, uh, is just absolutely incredible. You'll get a lot of attention paid to um, Davian Williamson for his efficiency, and he had kind of a tough night last night. Coach Forbes mentioned post game that he thought a lot of that had to do with just more a physical game, and Davian's a, you know, a young kid as well. He's got plenty of time to grow into his game and be effective in all scenarios, but uh, just the efficiency of those guards, uh, whether it be Tisdale or Williamson. Here's Patrick Good post game on Isaiah Tisdale. Just mentally, he brings it every single day, and he challenges Davian at the point guard, obviously, but um, like I said, he just brings it every day, and when his number's called, he always answers, always. I mean, uh, just being around him, he's an all-around great guy, and we know that we can count on him, and he's always going to make it happen for us. So that's his uh, role on the team, and he knows it, and he's going to perfect it. Patrick Good, unselfish in his own right and giving credit to everyone around him. Let's not bury the lead. Talk a little bit more about Patrick Good. His incredible streak of just marksmanship from outside over these last couple games continues. 62 points, 17 threes over the last two. His previous career high was 21 points at Appalachian State. He breaks that in both of these last two games. When you're hot, you got to keep shooting, Jay. It seemed maybe early his first couple didn't go. You're like, well, okay, that was a fun one game. But then you look up and he's hit six more threes, and he's icing the game at the end with free throws to make sure that the Bucks can get the victory and sweep the regular season series. Uh, you couldn't see it happen to a better guy in a better situation. He just looks like he can't be stopped right now. Let's just backtrack a little bit. Prior to the uh, recent two-game outburst, he had just totaled 64 points and 14 threes over an eight-game stretch and was shooting 37% from the field and 29% from beyond the arc. And then, as you mentioned, the 62 points, 17 threes, 61% for beyond the arc. And Mm. so he certainly – and it was funny just hearing Coach Forbes, I mentioned it last game, just sitting there watching him shoot and, and Coach admitting like, that guy right there is just kind of struggling. I don't know what we need to do to get him going. And I don't know if he just needed his family and Cullowee to see him hit a couple shots. That cranked it up or what it was. But certainly uh, he was able to hit a different gear. And and thank goodness for the Bucks because without him the last two games, you know, you don't know how things would go. Now can he keep up that pace? I think it's probably a little unfair. Uh, well, 61% from three is pretty unfair from That'd anybody. That'd be great, yeah. Up that pace, yeah. You know, and you know he's he's hit the most threes in a game. He's hit the most threes in back-to-back games. I mean, that's pretty simple math to do considering the the ten and the seven. So uh, that was easy to track down. But you look at his numbers, and without Patrick Good and the way he's playing, and if he can continue to play that way, and, and again, I don't know, thirty-five needs to be had. But but certainly, if if he gets to a point where you can book at least you know fifteen to eighteen points on any given night, not have to worry about you know, those points coming from somewhere else, and I think that just makes the Bucks ever more dangerous. But he, he just seems when he flips that switch and, uh, you know, the shooter's mentality, just keep shooting and get yourself on, has worked out well for him. 
13 and a half per game now in conference play, and ETSU moves to 8 and 2 in the league. 18 and 5 overall. They've won 10 of their last 11, with the only loss coming a couple of games back against UNCG. Let's move to the women's side. ETSU trying to get on the right track under head coach Brittany is all over at Brooks Gym last night. UNCG the opponent, and I don't think that this game unfolded the way the Spartans were hoping. They want to keep things down around the high 50s, low 60s. ETSU got rolling offensively behind Micah Sheets, who had a huge game specifically in the first half. You hear a tale of two halves, and you usually think, well, one half went for one team, the other half went for the other team. In this case, one half went for an ETSU guard, and the second half went for a different ETSU guard. Micah Sheets, 18 points in the first half, and she did slow down a bit in the second half. Pardon me, it was 17 at the break on 6 of 8 from the field. Very efficient with her attempts. And then in the second half, when she kind of took a back seat, they maybe started to key on Micah Sheets. Erica Haynes-Overton has an even better half of offensive basketball. 24 points on 13 shots. The superstar for the Bucks took over. That's what you expect from her. And Micah Sheets and Erica Haynes over to the top two scores on the team carry ETSU to an 85-76 victory. They improved to 3-3 three and three on the year in the league, pick up their fifth victory ahead of a matchup with Western Carolina where they have a great chance tomorrow to move back above 500 in the league. Really a key for the Bucks to get some offensive continuity, Jay. And if it comes from those two, the two that you'd expect, I think it's just as well to see them start to get on track as the second half of the conference season approaches. Well, that's always sort of been the math. Who's going to be that second score? And for Tiana Tartar, she had Shamari Bridges. And when Shamaria graduated, it was like, well, who's going to pick up the slack? And then you saw Eric Ains overton as a freshman do it. Well, then Tartar left, and you're like, okay, who's going to be EHO's running mate? And then people thought there could be, you know, could it be Raven Dean? Could it be Snowden? Could it be um, Carly Litton coming back? You know, Micah Sheets we heard a lot about. But if, if they can continue to get – production out of sheets and again i don't i don't know you need 22 from her every day but she's had some games where she's just struggled and, and not been able to put points up on the board but eric haynes overton has to have somebody else score on a given night to take some pressure on everyone not keen on her and what you saw i think was a product of that she's having a great first half that frees up eric haynes overton to get better looks she's able to finish that i mean 11 for 16 for 28 points that's that's pretty doggone efficient, you know, to be honest with you. So uh, I think if she or some other players can continue to kind of pick up the load, not, not just that, I was excited to see that Kai Upton was able to get in double figures on five of seven. I, you know, obviously she had the five turnovers, but other than that, I, I felt like she's been coming along uh, as of late. Snowden was able to get into double figures. And, you know, I thought Coach Ezell tried to work on getting post players to go, but it just seems like it's, turning back into a guard-oriented team. And to me, that's fine because there's certainly some ladies on the outside that can certainly put the ball in the basket. You know, ironically, you look at the box score, and Erica Haynes-Overton and Micah Sheets combined for 50. Tasia Twitty and Adine Solomon, the two workhorses on the offensive end for the Spartans, combined for 46. So they kind of cancel each other out, but then it was Kai Upton, 5 of 7 from the field. She generally, when she gets into double figures, hasn't been the most effective with her shot. She usually will take 9 or 10 to get to 10, 12, 14 points, which is her career high, but also had four rebounds, three assists. I think that's the most effective on that end of the court that we've seen Kai Upton. And Brittany Snowden, another good game. She got the start, 12 points, also had seven rebounds, did get into a bit of foul trouble late, but it was of no consequence. UNCG is very heavy with those top two scores. ETSU, speaking of depth, as we mentioned with the men, showed a bit of that themselves. And I thought a big key, UNCG came into the game plus four and a half on the boards. That was far and away the best in the 
Southern Conference. We know ETSU has failed to get to 36 rebounds, so they've had 35 or less in nine of their previous 11 games. They out-rebound UNCG. 40-33, to 33. good work from Snowden done on the glass, and then really a total team effort from there. No one else with above five rebounds. Sedasia tips with five, and Erica Haynes-Overton also with five. But a big win for the Bucks to pick up because that's a game, and also the Chattanooga game coming next week, where it's right on the fence, right? The Bucks came in tied with UNCG at 2-3 and three in the league. Now, Western Carolina, unless ETSU has a catastrophic day, is going to be a victory. Then you go into Chattanooga, and all of a sudden you have the chance to be 5-3 and three in the league and contending for a top-three spot, if not grabbing it uh, solo yourself. Uh, last night, ETSU, 52% from the field, 46% from three, 75% from the line. If they have a lot of offensive days like that, they're going to be all right. But again, Jay, these are all games at home. Home and you have to make the most of them because ETSU is averaging just 58 points per game on the road. Now they're up to 78 points per game at Brooks Gym. I'm sure Brittany Izell and company love to see that. There are still some concerns, though, about going on the road. Uh, just generally, ETSU, five of their last six from the field, put the game away. I thought the key early on, ETSU forced UNCG into some mistakes watching that first quarter. Uh, the Spartans looked all kinds of out of sorts on the offensive side of the ball. Players weren't looking for passes. Balls were just being thrown away, thrown out of bounds without the player on the receiving end of the pass really knowing what was going on or paying any attention at all. But it still does take, Jay, a team that is aware, a team that is hungry, a team that is a ball-hawking group to go and get the ball, be aware of where it is, and then take advantage of those mistakes. Well, I, the impressive thing to me is just how the, their numbers at home are just so dominant. And, and how they just can't – and, again, I understand it's tough away from there. It's a fairly new team and collective group for Coach Ezell. And, again, you know, you can't discount the first part of the season with, uh, you know, different combinations in there and, and people starting to learn how to play one another. But if they can just hold serve at home, and I agree with you, unless something really weird happens, they should have a win on Saturday against Western Carolina. But if they can figure out – how to pick up, just snake a couple of road wins and win the rest of the games at home, which, again, will still be tough, right? Still got Chattanooga, still got Mercer at home. But if they can do that, then I think they can find themselves around that 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 three, four slot, uh, hopefully the three slot, uh, because it's just so wide open right now in the standings for the women's and a lot of games to go. Nobody's really separated themselves yet. And then Chattanooga is a little bit in the driver's seat in the two slot. And, of course, Mercer had not lost a game and, you know, over a year and a half uh, at this point now. So uh, be curious to see how Mercer goes forward. But I think if ETSU can figure out a way to bottle that up and take that, that energy and, and the shooting on the road and get a couple road wins, it would be interesting to see what Coach Zell and them could do once they get to Asheville. Yeah, even just to get the first one would, would be really good to see because once that first one's out of the way, the monkey's off your back, you can really get rolling like you've seen ETSU in conference play at times when they got that first conference victory, um, broke the long string of, it wasn't consecutive games-wise extremely long, but had an eight-game losing streak at the start of the year, then had lost seven of eight before they got that first one of conference play and, and since then have won three of their last five. We're going to take a break on Santos and the Sidekick when we're back previewing ETSU men's basketball and women's basketball on Saturday, a doubleheader of coverage starting at 1.30 on the Buccaneers Sports Network. That's after this word from Van Wagner. This is Santos and the Sidekick. It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall. The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet. Or tardiness. Work, Run two minutes late in the morning and you're a half hour late to work. <laughs> 
Come on. But good things come from multiplying, too, like the new Multiplier Instant Games, which give you a chance to multiply your winnings. So go ahead. Enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new Multiplier Instant Games, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Make your own one. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU Athletics. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda... You can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Welcome back. This is segment two of Friday's show. Next segment, we will be talking Super Bowl with the biggest Patriots fan I know. I don't know a lot of people that like the Patriots in general, but to like them as much as the man that we are going to be joined by in segment three does, that being Jay Sandoz, uh, is very rare. And then in segment four, a bold predictions, probably Super Bowl edition, but we'll also have some prognostications on ETSU men's and women's basketball for Saturday's doubleheader that starts at 1.30 on the Buccaneers Sports Network, pregame coverage of ETSU women's basketball and Western Carolina. The Buck men, the coverage of that contest from Chattanooga starts at 4 with Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandos. And 4.30 is tip-off. And, Jay, right when you think you have the Southern Conference figured out on the men's side, let's start with, 
you see Western Carolina go out and score 105 points on Chattanooga. They've now lost three straight, have the mocks. After starting 5-2, and kind of started to turn some heads. They won in a string where they won 4 of 5, the only loss in that time to the Bucks, 96-70, but wins over Western, Stanford, Mercer, and Citadel. Some tight ones against the Bears and the Bulldogs, but now a 15-point loss to Furman, an 11-point loss to Wofford. Nothing wrong with losing those games, but a real head-scratcher last night in the 105-96 loss to the Catamounts. Yeah, I, I think, the, you know, you look at some of the guys that put up big numbers, and Ono Steger, you know, has been able to, to score for Western, but as uh, Marcus Thomas, I mean, you look at uh, the number, I think he's played ETSU three years now. I don't even know if he's gotten to double figures combined in like six games, and all of a sudden, you know, he, he throws a big, massive number on the board. I think they combined for almost 60 or a little over 60 points uh, between the two. And, you know, that was by far, I think, the most shocking uh, result of the day uh, was seeing the Western Carolina not just win, but the amount of points uh, that they put up on the board. I think that was the shocking thing. And then I, I know they hit 14 threes are not particularly one of the, the, the best three-point shooting teams but certainly they got guys that make shots but you know Thomas goes for 32 his previous high was uh, 21 and Steger I think had uh, had 23 um, uh, not too many games ago which was his career best and he best that with 30 they go for 62 points between the two and then a guy that hurt ETSU uh, Donovan totally um, he goes for 19 so you get three guys throwing those big numbers on the board and for Chattanooga and Lamont Paris you know, that's a lot of points to be given up on your home floor. Seems like exactly what went wrong last night for Chattanooga has gone wrong in conference play more often than not. Chattanooga second to last in the league in rebounding. They were out-rebounded 35-29 to by Western Carolina last night. And as you mentioned, just not defending the arc, our chat. A 38% opponents are shooting from three in conference play against the Mox. That is worst in the SoCon. It is strange to see him give up 105 to Western Carolina for a couple of reasons. Firstly, Western, you know, middle of the pack and scoring, but defense hasn't seemed to be in league play the problem for Chattanooga. They're right in the middle of the pack in defense in terms of points allowed to opponents, so that was strange. Now, we saw last night with ETSU and Stanford, of course, in game one between the Bucks and the Bulldogs, there was the huge advantage inside for ETSU, plus 17 on the boards. I think it was like plus 20 in second chance points. Now, Sanford was able to even out a lot of that despite getting beat from other parts of the floor, specifically with Patrick Good from the three-point arc and Isaiah Tisdale doing some distributing, rebounding, a little bit of everything. And the bigs didn't have a good night, but the guards picked up. Uh, the ETSU bigs. That's where I think the Bucks can be dangerous. They can do it in a lot of different aspects. With Chattanooga's struggles, I don't think it's any guarantee that you go out and shoot 12 of 20 from outside, another 60% evening from the perimeter, and you go and crash the boards to the tune of plus 20 or plus 25, but certainly there's a lot of areas where ETSU seems to be able to take advantage of Chattanooga. Yeah, and, and, and just to go back real quick to tell you uh, how rare that 100-point game was. Yeah. The last time Chattanooga at home gave up 100 points was uh, on January 27, 2011. Wow. To UNC in double overtime. <laughs> the last time in regulation they gave up 100 points was 2003 against Appalachian State. Mm. So uh, just a rarity in the roundhouse for sure. The Bucks, you know, on a six-game win streak, they're averaging winning – uh, I think uh, 17 points yeah. on that six-game win streak, and the the inside the play is really where it's been. I mean, ETSU 
the first being, I think, shot 61%, most of those coming from points inside the paint. And I think that was where they'll be able to make a living as well. I am very impressed uh, with the freshmen that, that the Mocs have been able to bring in their highest recruit and Kevin Easley. I, I think they don't have a, a, a bad combination of some guys coming in and Villaroma, who's a transfer. They also got a, a fifth-year transfer, uh, Smallwood, and he's more of a three-point shooter at seven feet, which is kind of odd, so he can stretch it. But I think ETSU, who has tried to pound the basketball inside this season, just needs to stick with that game plan uh, and see if they can uh, score inside early and then from there open up some looks and seeing if Patrick Good can't stay hot or maybe can't get somebody else going like a Trey Boyd. ETSU's leading scorer in that first contest against Chattanooga was Trey Boyd. 21 minutes, 19 points. One of his very efficient games, 7 of 9 from the field. You could even say that that's been uh, perhaps his best game in terms of logging shots versus piling up points. I don't want to discount Trey Boyd on the road, but his struggles have kind of continued away from Freedom Hall. He took 13 shots last night to get to 11 points, and that's just not the ratio you want to see he, he did make some key plays I, there's a couple that stand out in my mind from last night that really did help ETSU including that 15-foot jumper that forced as you said a timeout from Scotty Paget after you prognosticated very um, incredibly that the exact same happening on that end of the floor I don't like to give you a ton of credit but if the, if we count that for bold predictions you should get like two or three points for that we're not going to don't get your hopes up but it was an impressive prognostication by you but Trey Boy being the leading scorer away from Freedom Hall you know again you don't want to discount him but it seems like his game just is diminished a bit so looking outside of him three starters were in double figures Bo Hodges, Davian Williams and Lucas Cousin. We talked about a lot of things from last night's game what we did not talk about was Bo Hodges grabbing 10 rebounds. Did he look like some of that bounce some of that energy is back? I know he didn't have a great offensive night but affecting the game in different ways and perhaps if he could build a little momentum going into the Chattanooga game before ETSU uh, comes back to Freedom Hall, you know, that could go a long way towards, once again, at a key time of the season, you know, about one month left in the SoCon regular season, getting him in the right spot and putting him in the uh, right place with teammates, uh, fitting into this team, not being maybe the freshman of the year that he was last year, but playing a role to help ETSU consistently. Yeah, I, I think getting him back, because what he can do defensively and rebounding-wise, and he was aggressive going to the rim. ETSU, I, I, I didn't find this out because just a second ago I was looking through some stats, but Ruben Guerrero, who had eight blocks for Sanford, yeah. all in the second half. Wow. And not only is it tough to get eight blocks, but he had them in just 20 minutes in the second half. But, the you know, a couple, a lot of those came against Milad and Armas uh, and, and Bo Hodges, really, because Hodges wasn't afraid to go at him two or three different times. And I think he got one on uh, Rodriguez. But I think he had three or four block shots on Milad and Armas, and he had uh, some on Hodges. But I think it's important that Bo Hodges – plays and the thing I like about Bo is he figured out how to help the team to win even though maybe offensively he was just two of ten from the floor against Sanford so it does appear every game he's getting more and more of that athleticism back he's getting more comfortable on the floor and so I think it's going to be important down the stretch I don't know what he'll do uh, tomorrow against Chattanooga but I think it's important to get him back to where he was at the end of his freshman campaign which led him to picking up the freshman of the year award and just a give you some stats to back up your Trey Boyd thought. He's averaging 15.5 points inside Freedom Hall, shooting about 50% from the floor and 46% from beyond the arc. But in the 12 road games, he's only averaging 8 points, mm. shooting 36% from the floor 
27% from three. Right. Milad Narmis is another guy that likes it at home. He's 10.3 points uh, and right at 10 boards. He's 9.9 rebounds at home, shooting 67%. On the road, 6.4 points, seven rebounds, and that shooting percentage from hitting two out of every three falls to 40%. On the flip side, Tisdale does thrive on the road. I mean, that's a guy we like, and maybe that's somebody we haven't thought about being a, a guy that could help ETSU win at Chattanooga, but he's doubling up his points on the road uh, or at home. I oh, know on the road. That's right. He's doubling up the points he's given on the road as opposed to what he's producing at home. So um, I think maybe if they could get production out of Milan Armas on the road, that would be rare. I think if Trey Boyd scores, that would be rare. And I'd be curious to see if Isaiah Tisdale continues to play uh, the way he's been playing. And I also be curious to see if Coach Forbes has him still come off the bench. I think he should because he has that steady hand, uh, you know, let Davian start the game and how he goes. But if you need somebody to come off the bench. The other thing is, is Tisdale can play different positions. So if Bo Hodges does get in foul trouble early, he could put Tisdale in for Bo Hodges. And we've seen Hodges get in foul trouble early this season as well. So I kind of hope he lets uh, Tisdale continue to thrive coming off the bench. And watch that bench tomorrow because 84 points of Chattanooga's 96 against Western Carolina came from their starters, just 12 points off the bench, and they relied heavily on Easley, Totley, Johnson, Scott, and uh, Ramon Vila. So watch for ETSU's depth to once again be a factor. Quickly, let's go to ETSU women's basketball. Uh, There's not a ton to talk about here, Jay. I mean, the only win for Western Carolina since the uh, right before Christmas was over North Greenville, which is a Division II. Uh, they're pretty much last in every statistical category in the Southern Conference, only averaging 56 points per game, giving up 71 points per game. They're last in the league in scoring margin, free throw percentage, field goal percentage, second to last in field goal percentage defense, and three-point field goal percentage, plus three-point field goal percentage defense. They don't crash the boards. They're second to last in rebounding offense. You know, I could go on and on and on. Uh, they also played Chattanooga last night on the women's side. That was a 14-point loss. Lost to UNCG by 12 two Saturdays ago, or pardon me, last Saturday. Um, and so you can kind of just match up the numbers. ETSU is second in the league in scoring. They obviously put up a ton of points at home. This game is played in Brooks Gym. They're going to have an advantage pretty much in every aspect of the game, every portion of the floor that the ball goes to. I was kind of worried last night because late in the contest, Micah Sheets did limp off the floor, but she did return. It looked like her other ankle. She injured her right ankle early on in the season, turned her left ankle going down on a play where she was tripped up by a defender for UNCG, but did return. She appears to be fine. She appears to be good to go. Of course, if you wake up the next day, it can really stiffen up on you, and you never know. But from returning to the game, you just assume that she is good to go for the Western Carolina game. So if you have Haynes Overton, you have Sheets, you have Brittany Snowden down low. Anaje Stephanie is someone we haven't talked about on the show really, but she missed a lot of the year before coming back the last three or four games, providing even more depth in the post. So uh, if you're looking at a Western Carolina team that put up 42 points against Sanford, um, yeah, kept it close against Mercer, losing by two, but lost by 26 to Whopper. They just haven't been in a lot of games. The ones they have, they haven't been able to put away. I would expect on a Saturday where ETSU men's basketball is on the road, there's especially, there's always a lot of fans in Brooks, Jim, but especially this Saturday going to be a lot of fans packed into Brooks to cheer on ETSU. They see the conference record at 3-3, three and three, know this is a big game, a chance for them to get to 4-3 and three and start to find themselves in conference play going to the last, uh, what will be tomorrow, exactly a month left of regular season play before 
the conference tournament in Asheville. I would think that this one's pretty elementary. You just have to go out, and even if you're executing at you know, 70 or 80% of what you would, you're probably going to pick up the W. i, I got to be honest. I don't want to oversimplify this, yeah. and, but this is about ETSU. Yeah. If they just go out there and don't take anything for granted and just execute and just play like they have in Brooks Gym, this should be a win for ETSU. And I hate to, to just say it like that because there's so much that goes into basketball. It may not be that easy, but I feel like that that is it. I feel like if they just go out there and just play and execute the game plan, ETSU will be able to pick up a win and be able to turn their attention uh, to next week's contest. Yeah, you did keep it simple. Wow, very impressive. That's uh, that's amazing. ETSU tomorrow at 2 o'clock going against Western Carolina, and, and you'd expect – a 20, 25-point victory. Erica Haynes-Overton coming off 28. Micah Sheets coming off 22. And, and maybe a good chance for the Bucks to get more extensive minutes to Alexis Spears, who's shown she can be do- dominant on the offensive end at times. Uh, maybe work in more sets for Anaje Stephanie. Other players that, while they're trying to find that second and third scoring option consistently, not someone that will just do it a game here and a game there, but while they're working on that second option, maybe even try to develop a third option, see what sticks against a team like Western Carolina. Not get too cute because while I do talk about ETSU is uh, going to be far the superior team and Western Carolina hasn't been in a lot of games, making it close against Mercer is no small task considering that they are tops in the league and still undefeated in league play. And as you mentioned, like a year and a half now in league play uh, without a loss. So there is a little bit of chippiness about them, but away from their home, seeing how the year is going 4-17 and overall and 0-6 in the league uh, would love to see the Bucks do some different things to see if they can find a player on that 14 woman roster that can consistently be a third option to help out Micah Sheets who's now gone 18 plus for the last six games and of course Erica Haynes Overton who's been a real force in the second half once again we see the trend with Erica Haynes Overton continue in conference play only averaging four points per first half but blows up for 24 in the second half on her way to 28 last night okay uh, that is it for our previews of Saturday's action once again Buccaneer Sports Network 130 pregame for the ETSU women's basketball team two o'clock tap against Western Carolina that is from Brooks Jim I will have the call then be kicking it straight to Jay Sandoz at four o'clock pregame of ETSU men's basketball and Chattanooga from the roundhouse 430 tip when we're back Jay Sandoz unburdens himself gushes about Tom Brady and the Patriots and lets us know how many points New England is going to win by in Super Bowl 53 on Sunday. When we're back on Sandoz from the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we're transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. McDonald's says they flash freeze their beef. 
Doesn't sound good to Wendy's, but someone might be into that. Tis I, Old Man Winter, and <clears throat> I'm not a fan of frozen beef either. Don't stereotype me. I prefer fresh beef just like anybody else. I'm only human-ish. Skip the frozen beef from the frozen arches and head to Wendy's. Try a hot day's double and see how fresh, fresh tastes. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson County locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. Sandos and the Sidekick. This is our Friday edition on SoundCloud.com. Just search Sandos and the Sidekick. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe, listen, download, do everything you can to, as Jay would say, envelop Sandos and the Sidekick. He is remote in Birmingham right before ETSU men's basketball leaves for Chattanooga. The Super Bowl is on Sunday. Jay Sandos, you are a massive New England Patriots fan. Now, before I talk to you about the contest, I, I do want to just put out there, that I tried to get people of legitimacy to the program. I did what I could to go above and beyond to try and have someone legitimately break down the game, reached out to Gary Klein of the Los Angeles Times, Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, and James Dador of SB Nation. Went with those three and didn't hear back from one of them. And, you know, Gary Klein and Ben Volan, I understand, because, you know, they've got legitimate jobs to do, right? They have to get the storylines, do a lot of, um, really deep reporting on the game and set up their audience, which is sizable to Boston Globe and the L.A. Times, for the biggest game, perhaps the biggest sports spectacle in the world, uh, certainly the United States. James Dador has like 3,500 followers on Twitter. He went down to Atlanta for SB Nation and tried different foods in the stadium, and you're telling me that you're too busy to join the program. I think it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, I think that you uh, may want to come back down from – being on your pedestal and your perch that SB Nation has provided you to reality and realize that you're eating food and not doing anything of significance. Uh, so I'm going to rip James Dador a little bit. It's kind of like when Matt Craig uh, didn't get back to me to come on the program. He's got like 1,900 followers. The Buccaneer Sports Network is covering one school. Uh, we've got like nearly that many. He covers all of mid-major basketball and can't get significantly more than us. So I'm a little bitter by that, but I am excited, <laughs> Jay, just to talk to you about the game and hear your thoughts on the Patriots um, your fandom expressed on the airwaves. Now, the game is in Atlanta. First thing I want to ask you, did you consider getting tickets, making the four-hour drive, uh, paying ungodly amounts of money to get in the door to be about 700, 800 feet away from the playing field just so that you could say you were at the Super Bowl and watch Tom Brady win one in person? 
Well, the ticket prices have actually dropped. Really? So there was consideration. Wow. Uh, but but Super Bowl tickets dropping and being affordable are two different things. <laughs> and uh, I'm just guessing um, that if I wanted to go stay in my house again, that I would have to not go to the game and spend the absurd amount of money to go watch. But there was some thought. There, there was a some legitimate let's look into it let's see what happens it could be you know the last ride and all that good fun stuff and you know it's in atlanta etsu place in chattanooga it's not that far about an hour and a half away so you know uh, maybe spend one extra night in chattanooga saturday night and drive over sunday to atlanta watch go home but uh, no i'm gonna i'm gonna do what i do every super bowl and seclude myself in the basement and uh try to turn off my phone so i don't have to listen to the crazy sending me messages every game every play now I've aired my grievances with Matt Craig and James Dador. I'll go ahead and give you the chance to air your grievances on a couple of different fronts. Firstly, I've never had a team that I'm a fan of really play in a big game. That's just part of being a Minnesota sports fan. Uh, the Vikings had the miracle in Minneapolis, Minneapolis miracle, whatever you want to call it, last year. That was about as close to prosperity as we've gotten. But, of course, in typical Minnesota fashion, go and get absolutely housed by Philadelphia on the road in the NFC Championship game the next week, lose by like 31, wasn't close. So I've never experienced my team being at that echelon, being in a Super Bowl or an NBA Finals or a Stanley Cup or, or whatever you're into. So I've never had the flood of text messages to the point of Super Bowl level, right? Because I imagine everyone's coming out of the woodwork. Is there anything you'd openly like to say about all of but, the cheap shots you will hear on Sunday and all of the poking of the bear, if you will? Well, first of all, how old were you in '99 in when the Twins won it? I was two years old. So I wasn't getting text oh, messages at that point. Yeah. You don't, you don't remember Kirby in there? Okay. Oh, oh hey, I, I remember Kirby, and I remember that game, but only through recreations of it on the television or on okay. the radio. You were two. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll let you slide. You, thank you. You were two. I was just thinking. I was like, well, I knew the Twins won. So I was strong. All right. Um, it's been that long. The, the big thing to me was how bad because the new england patriots growing up were the cleveland browns of the nfl mm. right i mean they you know they had the number one pick 11 out of 13 years they held at the time the nfl record for the most starting quarterback uh two or more in consecutive seasons which was 12 and the browns broke it i think it was last year uh or the year before that was 13 which i don't think that'd be broke so new england was was very bad and, and so the one thing that helped my fandom even more was when uh, Sam Gash, who a lot of Buck fans know the last name Gash because his brother, or I'm sorry, his cousin, Shane Gash, uh, is a Hall of Famer at ETSU and mm. played in the NFL for the Niners and the Cleveland Browns. His cousin Sam played college ball at Penn State and was drafted by Bill Parcells and played for the Patriots. So a lot of my Patriot gear that I had growing up was, was hand-me-downs from Sam because I was the only Patriot fan in town. Uh, that he knew of, and so he would bring me a bunch of the stuff. So the the text messages are always great because when New England wins, you know, like typical when your team wins, you don't hear anything. But as soon as they go down, then, then you know, the crazies come out with messages, sort of like the Atlanta 28-3. to 3. Oh, I man. can't describe to you the <laughs> number of messages I got. And I don't ever text during, during the game uh, back and forth with any of the crazies. I, I just I – don't, I don't even really check the messages. But I do know that at the end of the Atlanta game, a lot of the crazy text messages didn't pick up their phone. It's amazing. Weird it's how amazing that works. How all of a sudden, you know, but it did allow me to leave some very interesting voicemails. I'll say that for sure. 
Now, you can also air your grievances with the national media if you'd like. I hate, and I'll just do it for you, as a matter of fact, I hate every year that the Patriots are in the Super Bowl. What does this mean for Tom Brady and Bill Belichick's legacy? It doesn't mean anything for their legacy because they are the greatest coach-quarterback combo of all time and have been for at least the last four or five years. But, oh, they want to throw out the same questions over and over every single se- If the New England Patriots somehow lose on Sunday, which I don't think is going to happen. I'm well chronicled on this show saying this is going to be a, not necessarily a blowout, but I think it's going to be a double-digit victory for New England. If somehow... Tom Brady and Bill Belichick lose to Jared Goff and Sean McVay. Firstly, it could just be viewed as, well, this is the new era. Up and coming, Jared Goff, Sean McVay, they've got it figured out. This might be the first of many. Uh, Or it'll be, oh, boy, Tom Brady's in, like, his 17th Super Bowl and he lost. Well, he's still got, like, five, six rings, so it doesn't really matter. To me, it's an absurd question to ask, and I get fired up about it because it is every single year you have to sit through the same nonsense, and I'm quite sure that you are on my side here. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will not be affected at all by the outcome of this game in history's point of view. No, I I mean, I don't don't, I think they've pretty much cemented as the best. Uh, coach quarterback combo that that has ever been around and in today's uh you know really sports world in general to to do what they've done the last you know you know 18 years has been incredible so we'll just have to see uh what it is you know when you look at phil jackson he won six with jordan but he also won uh five with colby so clearly phil made michael jordan right that's sort of the (laughs) no i kid i i i kid he did not but you look at, you know, Phil's won many, many uh, championships without it. The question is if Bill Belichick continues to coach past Tom Brady, and then who knows, I heard Tom talking about getting an extension, you know, what will that mean? Because clearly a coach can outlast a player, correct? I mean, that's, that's pretty simple math there. But Bill's getting up for an age. I'm just curious if Bill wins a couple more post-Brady, and I don't know how long Belichick will coach past that because, again, he's, he's in the 70s at this point, so we'll have to wait and see uh, how long he goes. But, you know, at, at some point in time, somebody is going to have to get the, the, the torch passed. You know, will it be Patrick Mahomes and AFC maybe next year if he continues to grow? And for the NFC, is it Jared Goff? And, you know, the good thing is they've surrounded him with a ton of weapons. Obviously, uh, Todd Gurley gets a lot of the fanfare, but C.J. Anderson, who's always been sort of, a, I think, a fan favorite for most people because he was an undrafted guy, had a good career in Denver, now is kind of, uh, taken over in the playoffs, really, for, for Gurley in uh, St. Louis, for the, or St. Louis, for L.A., for the simple reason of playoff football is different, it's more physical, some things go on, so they're getting C.J. Anderson in there, but the wide receiving court, I know they lost Cooper Cup, but when you look at uh, Brandon Cooks, who played in Super Bowl last year for New England, actually got knocked out of the game, and I still contend that was the biggest uh, uh, blow to, each, uh, to New England's chance to win the Super Bowl against the Eagles when when he went down because New England only activated, I think it was four wide receivers. They were down to three and had to change a bunch of offensive sets on the fly. And some guys didn't know, you know, certain plays. And so it was interesting to see how that affected the game. But with Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods and, you know, then you got a, a two good running backs that they're able to throw at it. I, I think St. Louis can certainly have the opportunity to put points up on the board. I think New England will have to play keep away. But that's easier said than done because the Rams have spent two weeks learning how New England's been able to run the football the last four straight weeks. And they've got probably the, the best, uh, you know, nose guard defensive tackle combo in the league. And then Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald. And Sue is very familiar 
with Tom Brady and the Patriots because he played for the Dolphins for a couple of years, and he's sacked Tom Brady a couple times himself, and Aaron Donald may be the best defensive player in the league. And, you know, the one thing New England struggles with is press coverage, and I think Marcus Peters is certainly uh, going to provide that. And, and they put the nickel back, and Roby Coleman has made some, some notes by just, you know, he played at Buffalo is where his hate comes from of, uh, Tom Brady, New England, he threw some shots across the bow against uh, sort of Tom's old and can't get it done. And we all know New England, for whatever reason, loves to put the bulletin board material up to fire themselves up. So we'll just see how, um, you know, h- how that plays out. But I think for New England to be successful, they're going to have to do what they've done in the playoffs. They're going to have to run the football, play action, and play keep away from talented quarterbacks like they did with Phillip Rivers like they did with Patrick Mahomes. They need to do that with Jared Goff, keep the high-octane offense off. That being said, for the Rams, I think if they can take away the run and they uh, can add some press coverage and kind of jam the receivers on the line, maybe get a jam on Gronkowski, and if Brady isn't allowed to get some of the play action going and the Rams can pin their ears back and go right at them, it's simple math to beat New England. Uh, I mean, it really is. If you can get pressure with three or four guys and not have to blitz a lot, and you can play press coverage with some help over the top or, or maybe do what the, the Falcons did, which is a, the, the cover one sort of robber where they, they look like cover two and one guy comes down to take away the middle where Julian Edelman likes to work and the other guy plays over the top. And, you know, I, it's pretty simple math in all honesty. Now, New England does things to make that difficult to stop them, but the, the formula to beat New England has been the same since Belichick and them have been there. And so uh, you get Tom Brady out of rhythm, you get him a little frustrated, and I think that's it's very easy for the Rams to see how they can win the game. I can't believe you went double digits. The Patriots have not been in a Super Bowl where a game's been decided by eight or less in every single game. So they've proven in Super Bowls that it's going to come down to a, a one-possession game. And I think it'll be that again, and I think uh, it'll come down to – uh, a three-point win for New England, and shocker, I'm picking New England to win, but I think New England will win by three. How does game flow work? Is it New England jumps out early and never trails? Is it another comeback? I don't think anyone's predicting a comeback like the Atlanta Super Bowl, but uh, is is L.A. in control for a lot of the game? Are, are they uh, ahead of New England until the last couple of seconds? How do you see it unfolding? Well, uh, New England has been able to jump off to, to hot start in the playoffs. I mean, and the problem is in the Super Bowl, I don't think they have a first quarter score. Last year was the first time they had a first quarter score since I think the the, the first Super Bowl where they had a field goal with, with uh, Vinatieri going back in the day. So uh, they just have struggled in the Brady-Belichick area in the Super Bowl to get things going quickly. So I'd be shocked if they did. Now, that being said, in the playoffs, the last two games, they've been phenomenal had opening drives and being able to, to milk the clock and get these long sustained drives. It, and I, I wouldn't be shocked. New England generally likes to defer, but in the playoffs they have taken the football. And I'm not even talking overtime, of course, but they've taken the football first and, and been able to get points on the board. And I think that'll be the theory they do is they would rather have the Rams still press and try to play catch up as opposed to them. So I think New England will get a lead. I think the Rams will eventually take the lead, and New England, in typical fashion, will uh, take the lead back to win the game. One final thing before we go to a quick bold predictions: the halftime show. I'm guessing since your most recent musical act that you're familiar with is Pearl Jam, you haven't heard of Maroon Five, Travis Scott, or Big Boy. 
have I heard of them? I have heard of them. Can I tell you what of them sing? No, I cannot tell you one song that any of those people sing. I'm sure you'll be finding something else to do during the halftime show. Jay Sandoz cheering for the Patriots, ETSU men's basketball and women's basketball playing tomorrow. After that, of course, it is the Super Bowl. Then we are back on Monday. But first, we have to make sure to get our bold predictions on the book. That's when we're back on Santos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecue, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. Firstbank.com, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. I smell the newest Jumbo One with a chance at a $4 million top prize. It's so big, you can play both sides. Jumbo Bucks 300X. Good news, you don't need magic beans to meet this giant. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing, giant-sized fun. Please play responsibly. There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller Brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Yeah, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canada. Bold prediction. 
Always the final segment of the week here on Sandos and the Sidekick. Mike Gallagher back with you. Jay Sandos is on the road in Birmingham, about to leave for Chattanooga with the ETSU men's basketball team. Jay, last week you went one for three. You're now 10 of 50 on the year, hitting exactly 200. I got a little out of control last week, just started throwing predictions on the board and hoping for success. That's not how you win. I went 0 for 5, but still four to the better of your mark, 14 of 50 hitting 280. I'm going to go with an ETSU women's basketball, men's basketball, and Super Bowl parlay bold prediction. Uh, I don't know if you want to uh, kick us off with a women's basketball or men's basketball one. If you have the same format idea in mind, feel free to do what you please. Well, uh, I'm going to start with ETSU, and I'm going to start with women's basketball, and I'm going to go, they're going to hold the Catamounts to 40 points or less. 40 points or less for the contest on Saturday. Not really out of the realm of possibility since Sanford held Western Carolina to 42 earlier this year. So the Catamounts, 40 or less points on Saturday's matchup. I'm going to go with a buck big, whether it be Brittany Snowden and Ajay Stephanie, Lexus Spears, or Stadasia Tips, 20-plus points. That has not happened all year long. I don't believe Lexus Spears may be the one exception when she had those three games where she scored 55 points in 64 minutes. That may have been over 20, but has not happened since. Lexus Spears has not really scored a lot since. Brittany Snowden has been the main scorer. Sadasia Tips has uh, really more of a rebounder. Najee Stephanie hasn't really gotten into an offensive groove, but I think this is the game that ETSU women's basketball breaks out in the post. It's one of those four for 20-plus points. Well, this is a hard uh, over maybe uh, my head pick, but I'm going to go ETSU for the first time since nine since uh, 9091. They're going to throw a hunter burger on the board against Chattanooga. Wow. The only other time they did it was 1966-67 season. So twice in the history of all those games, there's been two hunter burgers. I'm going to make it the third one. Steve Forbes in his era seven times ETSU scored 100. Again, this is probably me more wishful thinking of a massive blowout, but I'm going ETSU men throwing 100 on the board. That is bold. ETSU got off to a great start in Chattanooga last year. I think scored like, what was it, 26 of the first 31, or it was like 18-2. to two. It was some ridiculous start that the Bucks had and never looked back against the Mocs in the roundhouse last year and certainly dominated, put up 96. I mean, they were close in that first game this year, 96 at Freedom Hall. So plus 100 for Jay for the men's basketball team tomorrow. I'm going to go with all three Main buck bigs that play, uh, you know, double-figure minutes per game, and Lucas Goussaint, Milad, and Armis, Jerome Rodriguez, I think each of them gets into double figures. Something about post players tomorrow, and then something for me about on bold predictions going with three ETSU men's basketball players doing something. Last Saturday, I narrowly missed on three bucks going 20-plus points. Of course, Jerome Rodriguez fell six points short against Western Carolina, but I'm going back to the well. Tough game yesterday for the Buck Bigs. Jerome Rodriguez did end up with 12-9, and nine, but Coach Forbes said post-game. Didn't think they particularly played well, those three inside, so I'm going to say a bounce-back game for Goussaint, Armis, and Rodriguez. All three get to at least 10 points. Super Bowl bold. I like that prediction, by the way. Super Bowl bold prediction. Um... I'm, I'm going to go uh, somewhere you're not thinking, but in the history of the big game, right, uh-huh. the history of the big game, they tend to swallow the whistle, right? They don't throw the flag. Pass interference calls, which uh, have gone up over time. In the Super Bowl, though, only averaging 2.1 pass interference flags per Super Bowl in the history of the game. Wow. I'm going to, the overcompensation 
because of the Saints Rams, yes. you will yes. see five, five or more pass interference calls because of the instead of letting it play out like they should. I think you'll see more flags, and it'll be disappointing to see because they've generally let teams and players just sort of who's who's the bigger man on that day, win that day. I think there'll be some overcompensation, and they'll be cautious and throw more flags for pass interference than they should. So I'm going to go five pass interferences. And that is the ironic part. People are probably going to end up talking about how many flags there were because of the overcompensation. I really like that pick. Five-plus pass interference penalties. Uh, I, it sounds like that you already think I've got a bold prediction on the Super Bowl with New England winning by 10 or more. I'm going to do that, but also and I'm making up the rules as I go along, uh, kind of to benefit myself, but this is how it's going to work because I'm back in studio and you're remote and you can't do anything about it. Uh, the Patriots win by 10-plus points, but they also, on the way to doing so, get a rushing touchdown from Tom Brady. Now, I'm hoping that rushing touchdown is naked boot to the left, a la Peyton Manning, whenever that happened like four or five years ago with the Broncos. I'm hoping that's how it goes. More likely, though, it would probably be Patriots down to the one and Tom Brady quarterback sneak. Uh, So if both of those happen, I'm getting two bold predictions points. If one of them happens, though, and I don't get the other, I get zero. So it kind of is the parlay feel where you get one, you get nothing, you get both, you get two full points. So it's really four bold predictions for what could be four points, or if I get three right, uh, could be two points, unfortunately for me. But hopefully that is not how things unfold. Is that fair? That's fair, isn't it? Hey, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. Oh, hey, you're, you're picking New England to uh, interrupt the touchdown from Brady and win by four and ten. I'm completely fine with any bold with that. <laughs> you're, you're, you'd be fine if I get as many bold prediction points as the Patriots got points that day. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Jay, uh, that's all I got for you on Sanderson, the sidekick. We'll hear from you tomorrow at 4, okay? All right, buddy, I'll see you then. Safe travels. Jay Sandoz going to the Roundhouse. ETSU women's basketball. We'll leave things off tomorrow on the Buccaneers Sports Network. 1.30 pregame, 2 o'clock tap with me. Then out to Jay at 4 o'clock for pregame before a 4.30 tap. Bucks and Mox in Chattanooga. Been a great week of Sandoz and the sidekick. We will recap on Monday the Super Bowl. Our bold predictions also break down the happenings of Saturday for the Blue and Gold. Thanks for joining us all week long. Download us, listen to us, and subscribe on iTunes. This has been a production of the Buccaneers Sports Network. Stand up for a second. Hey, buddy.